What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. If you've had an encounter with a cryptid, if you've seen a UFO, or if you've seen a ghost, and you want to share your story, you can email us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. Welcome back, after our much-needed Thanksgiving break, which ended up being not a break at all. Yeah, you ended up working on stuff that didn't seem any different than a regular week. (laughs) No. What happened was I got the printing for the new Wildnisgeist CD. It is available at the Stonebreath Bandcamp page, stonebreath.bandcamp.com. If you want the CD, it's available there. There's a post up at strangefamiliars.com as well. I'll also put links in the show notes. And, of course, it's on Etsy as well, so you can get it a bunch of different places. It kind of continues where the first Wilderness Geist left off, but kind of dark ambient ritual stuff. This is made partially from sounds that Chad and I recorded on our harrowing night at Pandemonium, which you can hear in our four Pandemonium episodes. You can hear about that. Do you, Are there any like sounds of the two of you crying or screaming or holding each other? No. I. <laughs> the original mix of the album had Chad and I both describing, because we had very similar, very weird uh-huh. dreams before we were woken up by the wood knocks. I was in one channel and Chad was in the other yeah. at the same time we were describing our dreams. But it was the only place in the album that was any voices at all, other mm-hmm. than there's a short clip from Macbeth that starts out the album. But 
other than that, in the middle of the album, these voices, you know, Chad's voice and my voice just came up and it was, it just didn't fit the flow of the album. Distracting. With the other Mm -hmm. sounds, so I ended up clipping them out. So there's no vocals on this one. Like I said, other than than that Macbeth clip at the beginning and whatever Bigfoot vocals you want to consider. But I did chop up the wood knocks I recorded and looped them and made beats out of them. So the beats you hear on this album are not drums, they're actually wood knocks. So Bigfoot is in the band, assuming that's who did the wood knock. If you like the first Woodness Geist, I think this is a sort of a natural progression from that. I do have plans for more. The next Woodness Geist, if it goes how I plan, <laughs> will be somewhat different from the first two. But in any case, the first two times I listened to this album in full, mm-hmm. Woodness Geist Pandemonium, I had dreams of that same hag witch woman from Pandemonium that I had a dream about when I was originally editing the episodes. And now Chad's having dreams about her as well. So, fun. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you'll get to dream about the Pandemonium witch if you listen to it as well. (laughs) Again, that's stonebreath.bandcamp.com Wilderness Guys Pandemonium. It's available as CD or download. When you order it from Bandcamp, when you order the CD from Bandcamp, you automatically get a download. So, it's probably the best deal. But certainly wouldn't discourage anybody from ordering it from Etsy if they prefer. Apparitions, Illustrations of the Other, my book of illustrations. That's on Etsy. You can also find a link at strangefamiliars.com for it. As far as books, they go out media mail most of the time. So if you want them for the holidays, you probably want to start ordering them now. Yeah. I wouldn't delay too much longer. Things seem to be taking a little bit longer in general. As it gets closer to Christmas, if people want priority mail and they want to get books and stuff, I will do that, but you're gonna, we're going to have to make arrangements for that. Mm. If you just order off of Etsy, the stuff goes media mail. That's just the way the postage is set up. It's so much cheaper to send books that way. But if it gets close and somebody wants to get them for a gift and you want them priority mail, we can make arrangements for that. You can contact me and we can do that. If you're local to South Central Pennsylvania, they are available at American Daydream Antique Store. Yeah, American Daydream now has all of my books. Mm-hmm. Everything. And I try to restock every week, so. Yep. On tonight's show, we are going to be talking with Barbara from the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. It's got really, really fascinating talk about lights and glowing entities seen in the woods around Athens, Ohio, which really caught my attention considering episode 200 on all the weird lights and glowing entities. Did she think they that. were coming together? I mean, kind of, sort of. Oh, that was isn't that from uh, Living Dead? Oh, they're coming to they're, <laughs> they're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> I should have picked up on that. So let's go ahead and talk to Barbara. Tonight we're talking with Barbara, who's had a number of experiences, but of special interest to me is the orb she was seeing, which sound like things I've seen myself. We've emailed back and forth a little bit about it, and I'm excited to talk. How are you doing tonight, Barbara? I'm fine. How are you doing, Sam? Very good. So amongst all this stuff, do you know where you want to start? Okay, I should probably start with the little orbs, and in order to do that, we have to go all the way back to 1994. All right. Actually, 1993. It was a good year, uh, 93. So, so I know, right? 
So we're going way back into the into the dawn of time. That would be the year I came to live in Athens, Ohio to finish my writing degree. I had moved there from Huntington, West Virginia. Let's see. Athens is kind of really special. That makes it sound like special in a not very nice way, but it is special in a nice way. It is interesting. Um, it's probably probably the most psychically active place I've ever lived in. Um, and I grew up in West Virginia, which is very, very weird. So that's saying a lot if Athens is weirder than that. <laughs> anyway, I, I ended up with a group of friends, you know, a bunch of gaming geeks. We, we played Dungeons and Dragons and Werewolf, the Apocalypse and all of that stuff, you know, all the role playing games and we went to see all the, the you know science fiction movies and whatever. And it's a great time. And uh, one of the things that I've studied since I was a very small child has been fairy lore. And my, my husband as well has, has been interested in fairy lore. And, you know, he and I bonded over the fact that we both read Catherine Briggs and Evans Wentz the fairy faith in Celtic countries and the encyclopedia of fairies as kids. So some of our friends, it was pretty obvious when we talk about fairies. So, you know, our friends kind of looked at us as, Oh, Hey, th those are the fairy people. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So we get a phone call one night from our friends, Brad and Janet. Those aren't their real names. I, I don't think they want to, everybody to know but anyway Brad and Janet said hey there's a there's a thing happening at our house there are these lights and I said what do you mean and they are like well out in the woods behind our house down the hill you know the woods and I said yeah the woods and and they're because Athens is pretty much surrounded by woods and woods permeate it um, there's a huge national forest next to us, Wayne National. And then we have Zaleski State Forest and uh, Lake Hope State Forest, Burr Oak. We have wilderness pretty much all around us to the point where it is, the woods pretty much surround us like a, a, a wall of green and then it also permeates us so we have wildlife that runs through the town all the time <laughs> there was literally like two years ago a bear running through town that was pretty cool anyway so they're they're like there are lights in the woods and i'm like oh really well what kind of lights and they're like well they look like christmas lights and i said well, are you sure it's just not fireflies it was you know fairly early spring but it wasn't too cold to have been that. Mm -hmm. So he, he said, yeah, they, they look like fireflies, but they're the wrong color. I said, what color are they? And they said, well, it's a lot of colors. And I'm like, okay, you've been smoking something. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, guys, are you sure? Cause they, they were hippies and you know, I was like, are you sure you're not? And they're like, no, we're, st we're sober. We're sober. I'm like, okay what colors are you talking about? And they're like, well, there's blue and red and, and they're just, they blink on and off and they, 
they're I was like, well, how big are they? Are, are you are, are you seeing a UFO? Because I started thinking Rendlesham Forest, you know, because it was those that was that time period, right. and I was like, was it is it like Rendlesham? You know, I'm getting all excited, turning into Mulder and Scully all at once. And uh, they they were like, no, they they're they're not big, they're little. And I'm like, oh, come on, let's let's go over there. So we drove over there. It's a small town, so it didn't take long. By the time we get there, of course, there are no lights. <laughs> so we were like, well, okay. But they were, they saw something. I knew they saw something. They were really freaked out. So the next time we went over there, which was a few days later, we went over to uh, play Dungeons and Dragons. And all of our friends were there. And Brad comes up to me and he says, my dad saw them. And I'm like, okay, all right. Clearly there's something happening if your dad saw him because his dad is so normal that there's just so much normal coming off of him. He's like, leave it to beaver normal. <laughs> and I said, did he really see him? I said, what happened? He said, well, he was fixing the sink and he stood up after he fixed it and he was turning on the, the faucet and looked out the kitchen window down the hill and there they were. And he said, Hey, Brad, what, what's, what's all, what's going on down there? What's, what's that? He said, I, I looked out the window, saw him and just kind of nodded and tried to be cool and said, Oh, um, um, it, it's nothing. It's nothing. So we started calling them the, um, nothings. <laughs> so that was what we called them. And that night while we were playing, I don't remember who went to the kitchen to get water, but they were there. And so we all went running into the kitchen and we looked and there were these lights and they were bobbing around in the trees. They looked to be about the size of like a golf ball to about the size of like, I would say one of those small limes, like, you know, bar mm -hmm. limes like mm -hmm. they use. Um, not the real big ones, but right. the little ones. And, but, you know, it was far enough away that you couldn't exactly tell the size and they were bouncing around and there was red and there was blue and then there was green and there was a lot of orange. I noticed that there was lots of orange and, and we were all like, whoa. I mean, there was about seven of us. So we're all crowding into this tiny kitchen, staring out this tiny window until one of us said, you know, the, the deck's right there. And then so we went outside and we're watching them. And th this got to be a thing that we would see the lights whenever we went over to, to Brad and Janet's house. So a couple weeks later, I get a phone call. And it's another of our set of friends. And it's Ryan and uh, Annie. And he sounds like he's about, he's, he's a really big guy. Not afraid of anything, really. He's, he's a blacksmith. Um, so he's a big muscular dude and he calls and he's like, uh, the lights, they're here. And I'm like, here, where? And he said, at my place near the trailer. And I said, well, they're not going to come into your trailer. You're a blacksmith. <laughs> you got iron all over, all over the place. You're fine. Don't worry about it. He said, yeah, but I, I don't want them. I don't want them to, it, they're really close to the trailer. I said, well, what do you mean by really close? And he was like, you know. 10, 15 feet away because the woods are right there. And I was like, oh. 
He said, should I do anything for them? I went, what do you mean do anything for me? He said, well, should I give them an offering? I said, well, you know, that that's what they would do in Ireland. Yeah. He said, what should I give them? I said, well, you know, you can give them some milk. You can give them some butter. You can give them some whiskey. You know, you can give them some bread or something like that. And he was like, okay, I'll do that. And I, he said, oh, wow. And I was like, what? And he goes, well, I'm looking out through the trees and there's, it looks like a human person, like a human shaped person, but it's glowing. And I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't go outside. Um, because I'm a big believer in not going outside when something like that is right there. Sure. Now, was it's there one thing. of the people that, that saw the lights at the other location? Yes. Okay. Yes. And he said they were the same lights. And he wasn't scared of them when we were on the deck, but when they were getting that close to his house, he really didn't like it. Yeah. And I didn't blame him. I, I didn't blame him. And uh, considering what happened later, uh, I really didn't blame him. So he uh, he took some stuff out to them. And he's a clever, clever person. After that, that humanoid-shaped creature, which he said was about the height of Annie and she's about five foot nothing. So it was around five feet tall that he guessed after it sort of receded back into the woods and he didn't see it. He went out and he left an offering in, as he put it, the middle of mud so that if it was something that was solid, it would leave footprints. That was his, his theory. Mm -hmm. Well, um, there was, there was nothing left when he came out the, the next morning, he had taken a glass of, of whiskey and it had, he had a, a napkin on top of it, a paper napkin on top of the glass. And then inside the napkin was like, like a little handful of nuts because that's what they had. And he put it there and he said to the heir, as I said to him, is, this is for you. I, I, I want you to know I, I don't have any problem with you. And I want you to know that we understand these are your woods. And thank you very much. And I was like, oh, well, you shouldn't have said that. And I very specifically said, don't thank them and don't say the F word. And he was like, they don't like the F word. I went, not that one, fairy. They don't really like to be called that. Just call them the good folk. Just be cool. So he goes out the next morning and I got another phone call and he sounded even more twitched out than he did the night before. And he said, well, I went out to pick up the glass. He said, and it was empty and the nuts were gone and the napkin was crumpled up and it was under the glass, which was turned upside down on top of the, the paper napkin that was crumpled up. And I said, Oh, well, that's interesting. And I said, are there footprints? And he said, no. And I said, are there footprints around it? Like, you know, cause he picked a really big slab of mud. He said, there are, there's nothing. And I was like, well, are there fingerprints on the glass? And he's like, no, not that I can see. I was like, well then I don't know what to tell you, man, but it's just as well you gave it to them. Just keep giving them offerings there and, you know, just be nice and don't cause any problems. And so for a long time, he didn't have anything happen at his house. 
And, you know, the, the sightings started dwindling. But then July 4th happened. And this is by, by this time, it's gone on for off and on for months. And the year has turned. It's become 1994 now. And we're around July 4th. And I'm like hanging out with this group of friends. We had we had played Dungeons and Dragons. It sounds like that's all we ever did, but <laughs> we, we played Dungeons and Dragons again. And we were gonna, you know, play with sparklers. We'd been drinking beer, um, hanging out, having a good time. My husband was playing music, and it was nice. And uh, we decided to sit on the back deck. We had cooked out back there. And while we're sitting there, the lights started popping up in the woods. And by this point, we it sort of went in this, this sort of seesaw fashion with us. Some of us just kind of ignored it. Some of us, well, my husband never saw them until much, much later. He, he could not see them. We would be looking right at them, and he couldn't see them. Oh, that's it interesting. Was, yeah, he never saw them until much, much later, and he saw saw them twice. But he could be in a group of all of us, and we'd all be like, oh, it's right there, you know? And he's like, nope, never saw them for the longest time. And so he, he just ignored it, you know? And some of us just, you know, Brad and Janet lived with it, so they just kind of were like, yeah, yeah, it's them again. It's the um nothings. Ah, no big deal. And so they they were bouncing around, but everybody got bored watching them. And uh, almost everybody decided they wanted to go out in the front yard and play with the sparklers and firecrackers that they had gotten because it's legal in Ohio to play with such wonderful explosive devices. And I don't like explosive devices. So I was like, I'll, I'll stay here with the um nothings. And my friend Dave... And that is his real name, and and he has since passed on. Um, Dave stayed out on the deck with me. Did we discuss the fireworks before? Uh, no. No. I I dislike them myself. I'm not a fan at all. I hate them. Yeah, I really... Really? Fourth of July has always been my least favorite holiday. It's miserable for, for me. It's miserable for the pets. It's... I just really dislike them. I, I really I, do. See, I told you we're cousins. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I was bringing up because of what you said before. I was like, whoa. No, I never mentioned them. I I don't like them. I don't like sparkly things, fiery things near my my face, my hair, any of that. No, I I don't like it. I always say it, it appeals to like the most base kind of caveman instinct of us, like light fire go boom, and yeah, and it just for yeah. me it's like okay. <laughs> all right you know my husband loves them not the go boom part but he likes all the bright colors mm-hmm. and and you know the explosions in the sky and everything he said but he always was disappointed because they weren't as cool as gandalf's were in the, the lord of the rings <laughs> there books. you go so, well you I, know i'm good for about you know five or ten minutes of a professional display and then i'm about done you know i'm, I'm done long before the display is over and yes I'm, I'm really really wary of like they are not supposed to have them in Pennsylvania, but they sell the, uh, basically the, the professional fireworks anybody can buy. You just have to sign a thing that says, I'm not going to use them in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Okay. That that yeah. That's that's a good law. Yeah. That works. Yeah. yeah. So everybody, you know, that wants them has them, and then and that gets on my nerves where people just lighten them off all night long. Oh yeah. Yeah, we we have yahoos doing that around Ohio all the time because they are legal here, and yeah, people, ugh, I hate them. Yeah. So Agreed. so yeah, and Dave was the same way. So Dave and I were like, we're gonna sit here and watch the whatever those are in the woods. There, that's our fireworks. That's what we're gonna have. And I started singing. As I started to sing, the lights started bobbing up out of the trees and sort of through the air towards us so of course my throat closes right up and goes "Eh." and dave is like they're coming closer i'm like yeah no and he's like keep singing and i'm like okay and so i was singing and i was singing enya because it was the 90s and that's what you did (laughs) and so i was singing one of her songs one of the sad slow songs and they kept coming closer and closer, at which point Dave kind of reached out and grabbed my my arm because it was they were starting to get really close, and we could see then what size they were, and they would blink on and off, and they would move, but there was nothing physical. That was the weird part is as they got closer, we could see there was no physical object in there. It was light, but it wasn't light like beams. You know, it it gave off a glow. You know, this is before there was lots of LEDs everywhere. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't describe it that way. It was like... It was like a soft, glowing orb, but it wasn't physical. It was purely light. And they got closer and closer, and they would blink on and off. And when they'd turn off, it would be as if it didn't exist anymore yes and then it would be it would turn back on and it would be like a foot closer or a few inches closer and we could see that they were actually about the size of a small orange not those big giant california navel oranges but you know some of the little florida maybe tangelo sized little guys Mm -hmm. they kind of stopped moving closer at about 10 feet from us And he's like, keep singing. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I'm singing and we could hear the firecrackers and stuff across the house because they were in the front. We were in the back. There was a whole house in between us. We could hear them and we could hear them laughing, but it was like it was a hundred million feet away. Everything was kind of muted. And so everything had sort of shrunk down. And and Dave said this to me later, that it was like it was just he and I and the lights and my voice. So I kept singing. I finished the song. I started another one and kept going. And it was an orange one that bobbed closer see i i can feel my blood pressure going up just talking about it i get nervous when i talk about this part except around people who actually saw them and so you you make me much less nervous than most people <laughs> because i think you know what i'm i'm seeing this orange one came up close to us and it flashed about 5 feet from our faces 
flashed on and it was a color like like a red orange it wasn't red red and it wasn't orange orange it was just towards the redder area of orange Mm -hmm. and as we watched it solidified into what looked like a white moth about about the size as i said of a small orange so not a luna moth not big big not a cecropia or an atlas Close to the size of a luna moth, though, but not with the trailing little um, bottom wing business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it looked like a normal kind of moth, just a little bit big, and it glowed orange, which moths don't do, generally. And we both kind of gasped, and by that point, I, I was done with the singing. There was no more singing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My voice just squeaked to a halt. And then it disappeared again. It went out. We knew it was coming closer. We couldn't see it. And then it blinked on again, and it was bright orange. It was an orb of light, but there was something that seemed to be solid in it. And this is the part that I hate telling people, but it looked like a little naked lady with the white moth wings. She had long white hair, and she glowed orange so her her wings were orange she was kind of orange her hair was orange this is this sounds so ridiculous but it freaked me out completely and she sat there in front of us for just a couple seconds and then winked out and there was light there but it wasn't in a shape and it just zoomed away back to the trees and all the other lights just went back to the trees and I was like, oh, oh, I could not, for a second, I could not speak. I wanted to scream. I couldn't. I wanted to make some noise, and I couldn't. And I looked over at Dave, and he had a hold of my arm. And I couldn't even feel it, but he had a good tight hold on it. And his eyes were bugging out. And he looked at me and goes, did you see that? And I went, no. And neither did you. And I grabbed him and jumped up out of the chair, and we ran through the house. Like, I don't know. We were acting like something monstrous was coming after us (laughs) but it wasn't except it was impossible and we go straight out the front door and we must have looked pale and scared i was about to cry he couldn't he couldn't really speak we go out there they're playing with the 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 fireworks the firecrackers and the and the sparklers and they kind of look up at us after a while because we're just standing on the, the porch you know, panting like a couple of insane people. And, and, you know, they, they were like, what's wrong with you? And we were like, nothing, nothing. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. And they were like, okay. And, you know, they just kind of ignored us, except Zach knew my husband knew something was not quite right. And I did tell Zach as we were driving home, what I had seen. And he was like, that's kind of strange. And the reason it was kind of strange, other than the fact that people don't normally see stuff that looks like that, is because he and I, by this time, owned a bookstore. We owned a metaphysical pagan bookstore uptown in Athens. And we had a discussion group every week. And so 
the pagans and witches and and you know magical people and druids and you know just people interested in in the paranormal would all gather every Thursday and we'd have we'd have a little discussion group we'd have a different topic every week and that week the topic had been so that was that would be on a Thursday and then the sighting we had was Saturday so it was two days before that the topic had been fairies and I had you know basically given the lowdown okay here's the deal don't call them the F word. You know, see, here I am doing it, but <laughs> don't call them the F word. And, you know, this is how you can offer to them. Don't be obnoxious. Don't, don't, just, just don't be obnoxious to them, you know. And, and you know, we, we talked about different types of, of fairy lore in different countries, how it's different here and there. We talked about the, the Memsiguasi of the Cherokee, the oh, Piscawansi or something, Piscatani. There's all kinds of different names for the little people sure. in Native American lore. Uh-huh. They're very prevalent along the, the Eastern Woodlands peoples. And then there are the Nunahi of the Cherokee, and they're the ones who are kind of like the the Tutha de Danon or the she of the Celtic countries. They're the ones that are about human sized and they just look like really pretty humans, really attractive human people. They're not little tiny people. They're normal sized. Uh-huh. And, uh, they're the ones who lived up in the bald tops and the granite uh, mountaintops of the Smoky Mountains. They act very much like the she who lived in the the hollow hills and, you know, around the stone circles and the old barrow mounds of uh, Ireland. So we had been talking about all those things. And somebody said, you know, have you ever seen one of them? And I said, well, there are these lights. And I think they're probably just things like will-o'-the-wisps. Which, you know, they might be like little pixie light things, but, you know, and they were like, oh, pixies. And I'm like, you know, pi- no, they're not like Tinkerbell. <laughs> you know? They don't look like Tinkerbell. They, they, you know, the Victorians messed everything up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they messed a lot of things up, really, you know, they but they really messed the fairy lore up when they turned them all into these little cute flower fairy creatures with their wings and their their little you know dances in the woods and it's all cute and everything but you know they weren't cute back in the older days and if you read people like Evans Wentz in the the fairy faith in Celtic countries that those those creatures are not cute right and and they, you know I basically said they will mess you up and uh, I was like so don't don't go trying to find them if you see weird little lights in the woods in Athens, don't follow them. That's probably a bad idea. But, you know, they're there. But they're not like Tinkerbell. You know, they, and I quoted that there's a quote from, I'm pretty sure it's from Evans Wentz, that we can make the small big and the big small, and we can be however we wish to be. Mm-hmm. So I quoted that. That had been Thursday. The thing that 
made my heart stop when I saw that little fairy lady looking thing, Tinkerbell kind of like with the wings and the hair and <laughs> not wearing clothes was in my head. I didn't have words. There were no words, but I felt it was as if it was saying, I know what you said and you don't know as much as you think, you know, <laughs> I can be whatever I want. And then it zipped away. That's why my heart just kind of went and clenched. And I was like, no, I did not see that. I did not. I did not. I did not. You know, and I could deny it all I wanted. I could never get that image out of my head. Mm -hmm. But Dave and I still didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about it for a year. Close to a year until 1995 when I graduated and he graduated and Kendra graduated from OU. We had a party out at my place. We had moved from in town to out of town to a house that we called the Falling Down the Hill House. And the reason it was called that is because it had no proper foundation. Somebody had built the foundation of the house, you know, dug a cellar, built the foundation, but didn't pour footers. So the giant maple tree behind it had pushed the foundation of the house so everything was crooked. And so the floors were crooked. They bowed. You, you know, you could you could play marbles in all kinds of fun fashions with cats with that because there were hills on the floor and there was not a, a right angle in the place. It was amazing, but it was on 13 acres of really beautiful land. And uh, there were three apple trees next to the house and a giant maple in the back. And the land was very alive and we loved it. We lived there pretty calmly for about a month before I graduated. That's about how long we had been there. We hadn't been there that long. And then I started having nightmares. And we started hearing things. We started hearing drumming in the woods and flutes and singing. But then we'd go outside and we wouldn't hear it. But we'd go back in the house and we'd hear it, and it would be coming from the woods. But then we'd go outside, and we wouldn't hear it. You know, because the first time we heard it, Zach and I were like, ah, there's hippies in the woods doing something. You know, I mean, it's Athens. It could have been pagans. We had no idea. But it turned out that we were living in in uh, Jesus land, so it, it really wasn't the <laughs> pagans. Uh, we were surrounded with farms and farmers, and, and they were all Baptists. So uh, they weren't out in the woods drumming. So, you know, we had our party, we were drinking red striped beer, and I made Jamaican jerk and beans and rice, and it was great. And we were having a great time. Kendra and I were the only two actually attempting to be inebriated. We were, you know, drinking red stripe together, and Dave comes running in the house, and he turns down Bob Marley, which is a sin. <laughs> um but he does, and he turns it down, and his friend Bill is with him. Bill has never seen anything weird in his life. He's like Brad's dad. He's like, leave it to Beaver normal. They both have bugged out eyes. And I looked at Dave, and I knew. I was like, what? And he said, they're back. And I went, the um nothings? And he said, yes. He said, but it's not just them. And I was like, are you serious? And he was like, yeah. And I said, oh, God. So... We went outside, and Kendra and I looked up the hill, 
and there's lights in the woods, lots of them, lots and lots and lots of them. And there are people there who had not been involved in seeing these things over at Brad and Janet's house, and they're seeing them. Everybody but my husband, in fact. So there they were. There we were. Our dogs lost their minds. Kendra's dog was there. They started howling. I had a husky. She was howling up at the the woods. My cat in the house was going from window to window growling. Eventually, everybody, I mean, there were just so many things. We saw little short, human-sized, but short kind of glowing figures out in the woods, and it was just, it was too much. And it ended up with everybody going in the house. Oh, and one of my friends started hearing voices calling his nickname that none of us knew that was from his grandfather, and his grandfather was dead. Oh, wow. So he started heading up the hill towards the woods. And we, of course, were like, oh, no. And we took a hold of him and just basically held him down and kept him from going into the woods. Eventually, everybody just kind of went into the house and huddled. Zach was just like, come on, guys, let's just go in the house. Zach had played music for them. We thought maybe if we gave them an offering, if we played some music, they'd just stay up in the woods. But they had started kind of coming down the hill, and I, and I was just like, everybody go in the house. Now, now, when you say they, do you mean the humanoids or the lights? Mostly the lights, but the humanoids were coming closer to the edge of the woods. Now, can you describe them? They looked, the way I see things like that, they're very amorphous They change in shape they are clearly not solid i think of them as being made out of light i was going to ask if they look like they were sort of composed of light okay yeah they act like the little bouncing orbs except they're not round they're person shaped and you can sort of see a face for a second and then it just sort of like smoke wisps away if smoke glowed with light and kept to a general humanoid shape. That is what it would look like. When they moved, did they move as if they were walking? Sort of. They sort of floated, and they sort of walked. Like, they didn't seem to really be touching the ground. Mm-hmm. And they sort of flowed, which is why I say it was kind of like smoke. Because mm-hmm. it flows, and it, it twists, and it's very it's very strange and most of of us didn't have the stomach to watch that really yeah um dave and i for whatever reason dave and i could put up with it better but i i basically ended up telling zach it was like get everybody in the house and he's like what are you gonna do i said i'm gonna sit on top of the jeep that's a lot of cold iron you sit right on top of that. And Dave said, I'll sit up there with you. And Zach's like, here, keep the sword. I'm going. <laughs> so we sat there, and, and Dave's like, are you going to sing to them? I said, no, not not right now. I don't want them to come any closer. And we sat there, and that's when we finally talked about what we had seen. 
And he said, what did you see last year? And I said, I want you to tell me first. I said, because I don't want my description to interfere with what you saw. And he said, you mean my description won't interfere with what you saw? I said, I'm so stubborn. No, it won't. Nobody can tell me what I saw, but I'm afraid that I can influence what other people see. So just tell me what you saw. And so he did. And it was the little naked lady. You know, he saw the the moth, then he saw the the light, and then he saw the naked lady. And then she went out and flew away. And we ran through the house and acted like a couple of gibbering idiots for a few minutes. And I said, okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I saw. I said, what did her eyes look like? He said they were like black glass oval-shaped gems. And I was like, and they were too big for her face, weren't they? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and I said, okay, yeah, okay, we saw the same thing. All right, that's, uh, that's creepy. All right, <laughs> great. So you saw the moth, or you saw the light sort of transform into this moth. And yeah. then did it transform back into a light or back or right into this or it, is, it or, sort of turned into like this little tiny orange glow it sort of went out and then there was this little orange glow that didn't really have a shape and then it sort of opened out into its regular orb-like self and then inside of it was the lady the little naked lady oh that's so weird <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so bizarre. Know. How close uh, was it to you? You probably said already, but... Uh... About five feet from our faces. Oh, that's very close, yeah. Yeah, it's too close. I didn't like it. <laughs> I was really afraid it would try to touch us, and I didn't know what would happen. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we had been able to hear the firecrackers and the sparklers and, you know, them laughing and making noise out front, but... Once it was really close to us, we couldn't hear it anymore. Or at least I couldn't hear it anymore. And there was no sound to the orb. Because mm-hmm. I, I kind of was trying to consciously listen. But there there wasn't. It was really strange. So we sat there and we talked and we watched them. Essentially, I guess we, we just felt like somebody should sit there and witness what was happening. And um, it looked up the hill for all the world like doors were opening, like these sort of bluish white light arched shaped portals were opening deep in the woods and then lights would pour out and these little dancing creatures would come out. And I say little, but they were, you know, they were within the, the reasonable size of a human Okay. Like, you know, five feet tall, four and a half feet tall, you know, so and they were, polished child. They were all these essentially glowing. Yes. Humanoids. And they would fade in and out. They would just appear and disappear. And oh, my God, it was. I. Oh. <laughs> now, did they change colors? They did not seem to. That was interesting. And I never really thought about it, but they didn't seem to. So what color were they? There was a lot of orange. There was a lot of blue-white. You know, like the white that's 
so pure white. Yeah. Like the LED white that's yeah. not the warm color, but the blue color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the, but that's not actually blue. It's supposed to be white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that color. And, of course, back then we didn't have those neat little LEDs, so I couldn't point to what that color was. The first time I saw that, I'm like, oh, I know what that is. Right. <laughs> so the, these humanoid shapes, I'm sorry, I'm completely fascinated. They weren't changing colors, but they were coming in different colors. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and they they were very indistinct. Like, they would... You know, and they would sort of melt into the trees and disappear and then maybe come out the other side of the tree. And Mm -hmm. once they got really close to the edge of the woods where we could see them a little more clearly, that's when Dave and I really started to get kind of not real sure about sitting on top of that Jeep like that was going to, you know, protect us for crap. (laughs) At that point, we were like, oh, yeah, no. You know, I was like, before they step onto the field up at the top of the hill and start heading down, do you think maybe we should go to the house now, hoping really that he would say yes? And he said, yeah, I, I was just about to say that. And so we we seeded the field at that point. We slid off the, the top of the Jeep, uh, grabbed the sword, which was a wedding present from my husband, and uh, hightailed it right back into the house where there were people wringing their hands. I mean, there was all sorts of distress happening in that house because people would look out the window and there'd be lights and, and occasionally there'd for a second be what seemed to be a face and then it would disappear. It was, we stayed in there for a couple of hours the dogs were outside. We eventually brought them in um, because they were barking constantly. And one of them yipped like it was hurt. So we were like, no, no. And we went out and got them. Uh, my cat just kept pacing from window to window and looking out and snarling at things. And uh, then the fog came. And that was great. <laughs> Because then we really wanted people to start thinking about going home. And we were all sober at that point. There was, I think we could have probably sat and started downing shots of whiskey and never gotten drunk <laughs> at that point. We were so hyped up. Mm-hmm. Our heart rates were going so fast. I think we would have burned through it all. And, you know, we had all this food. We couldn't even eat it. We were so nervous. And, <laughs> We waited until the dogs stopped pacing around and staring out the window. It was about, I'd say, 1 o'clock in the morning when people really started to leave. And then by then, the fog was heavy. So everybody had to drive really slowly. And uh, most people saw stuff in the fog. I wasn't with them. I don't know what they saw exactly. I do know that it was a very harrowing ride home for for some of the people. Wow. I probably should have just made everybody sleep on the floor, but most of them really wanted to go back to town where there was no weird lights and Mm -hmm. weird humanoid creatures. And in fact, you know, when we drove Kendra home, she was like, you sure you don't want to just sleep on my floor? And we were like, no, that's our house. We're gonna, and our dogs are there, and our cats. We're not gonna leave them. And 
So, you know, we drove back through the fog as we turned onto the dirt road where our house was. There was a giant stag by the side of the road that just sort of loomed up out of the fog. He was a perfectly natural stag. He was very, very handsome. Mm-hmm. But was he would you know, he wasn't like a stag head on a man's body, thank God. Right, right. I don't think I would have taken real well to that, even as a pagan. <laughs> Hearn, not now. Charnunas, <laughs> <laughs> please go. <laughs> I'm glad that didn't happen. I wouldn't have liked it. And we went home and you know, we couldn't really see very far in front of us. We had animals jumping in front of us. There was a fox that jumped in front of us and, and then back off the road. And we finally got home and basically ran. From, you know, we drove the car all the way up through the driveway into the yard, parked right next to the house and basically sprinted, you know, from the car to the house. And unlike most people in the country who don't lock their doors. We actually did because both of us grew up in cities <laughs> and so we're fumbling for keys, you know, that was the end of that night. But that was the beginning of a lot of weird stuff. We had the lights come into the house at times. I never saw the little Tinkerbell lady again. Thank God. I think that was just, that was just a communication. Mm-hmm. We had a cat, we had several cats, but we had this one white cat who would chase things in the house that we couldn't see. And uh, one night I got up and of course, you know, I had to go to use the bathroom. And so I come out of the bedroom and I stopped in the doorway and that little white cat was chasing the lights in the house. And I was like, oh my God, I've got to walk through this. Oh, wow. And I was, I just stood there and I watched and I was like, you know what? They act intelligent. So I said, could you please let me go to the bathroom and come back and then you can play with the cat all you want. Just please let me go. And I remember telling this to my father one night and he said, if he ever saw anything like this, he would never tell anybody (laughs) But I swear they moved to the left and left a three foot wide path to the bathroom that was clear of their little bouncy, floaty, little orb like things. And I, you know, basically sprinted to the bathroom, did did my business flushed, poked my head back out, looked, there was still a three foot wide pathway And I ran back through, got to the the bedroom door, stood there, looked back, and went, I'm grateful. I didn't say thank you. I didn't want to upset anybody. (laughs) I said, said, I'm grateful. And then they just just closed up that that little pathway and went back to what they were doing. And I went into the bedroom and shut the door and said, I'm not even going to think about it and went to sleep. It's amazing what you can sleep through. Yeah, well, we've talked about yeah. that a lot on the show, too, about people just going back to sleep after weird stuff happens. That, there may be yeah. something else going on there. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I disturbed their their little revel with my cat, but Zach didn't see them until the last night we stayed in that house. And he and I were about to go to sleep, and he looked up and he went, what's that? And there was 
a red one hovering around up in the corner of our room. They hardly ever came into the bedroom. They were kind enough to not do that, or at least they didn't do it while we were awake. And I said, oh, it's one of them. And he said, it looks like a laser pointer. I said, yeah, but do you see a beam? And he said, no. So he gets up and he, he tries, you know, sticking his arm in the direction that a laser pointer would come through the window, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And there's, no, didn't disturb the light at all. And then it started moving around and, you know, I was like, yeah, that's what they look like. He's like, that's what you see? I said, yes. He said, you see him fairly, well, I know you see him a lot because you talk about him. And I said, yeah. I said, they come in other colors. Um, but yeah, there you go. You finally saw one. And he was like, yeah, I'm glad I didn't see him all that time. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't like that. <laughs> he said, okay, I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, so you- odd how they look. They do look like lasers and like LEDs. Yeah. And but they're not. You know, they're nothing man-made. It's No. It's really bizarre. Well, even though we didn't have a regular show last week, patrons got a show. There's over 60 patron shows now. If you want to help us make strange familiars and get extra shows, Becoming a patron at Patreon is the best way. Patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. $3 a month gets you those extra episodes. Like I said, there's over 60 now, so you get over 60 episodes right away. And then we do at least one more every month. There are other levels of support there if you want to get things like t-shirts and stickers and copies of my books and more. You can check it all out. Patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription like Patreon, you can make a one-time payment via PayPal if you go to strangefamiliars.com. Look in the show notes under any episode and you'll see a paypal.me link. You can click on that and make a one-time payment. Everyone can help by sharing the show on social media, liking and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts, and leaving us those nice five-star reviews because that helps get the show in front of new potential listeners. And of course, we want to thank our patrons because they make Strange Familiars possible. Thank you so much, each and every one of you. We could not do the show without you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So these different locations you were seeing the lights, about how far away were they from each other? Okay, so... The falling down the hill house was about, I'd say, three miles out of town. And Brad and Janet's house was right at the edge of town. So about three miles apart. Okay. But see, people have seen them, and we're not the only ones who've seen them. People have been seeing these lights around Athens for a long time. Like, you know, I, I thought it was something special, but we were talking to some people who've lived here since the 60s, and they were like, all oh, those. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, those. <laughs> you know. Your and, friend who had the trailer, who the lights came around, was he close as well? He was actually, I would say he was probably farther away. He was towards Nelsonville, in that area, um, so he'd be more like, I'd say six miles out of town. Okay. And all in the same general direction, or are these kind of spread out? It, it, you could make a triangle out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was not grouped in too closely. Brad and, Brad and Janet's place and ours was closer together than Ryan and Annie's place. And then we moved out of town beyond Ryan and Amy's place. And we did get lights there, but they were different. They were only blue. Interesting. And they really liked when Zach played native American flute. Huh? Very interesting. Yeah. Are you familiar with, uh, you know, local history and folklore at all? A little bit. Okay. So Athens you know the spiritualist movement with the Fox sisters yes. and all of Hydesville and all of that? Well, pretty much right after the, the Fox sisters started the, the whole spiritualist movement, there was a family who lived out in Athens County called the Coons family, K-O-O-N-S. And I think they came originally from Marietta, and I think before that they were from Pennsylvania, but I'm not 100% sure. But I do have a book about it that I'm, I'm working on reading. The dad got interested in spiritualism, and he went to a lecture in Cincinnati, and he saw a traveling spiritualist there. It wasn't one of the Fox sisters, but it was one of the the other famous people who were, you know, really soon after the Fox sisters. Cause of course it, it almost mushroomed and exploded overnight after they started doing their seances. Yeah. So he got interested in it. And while he was there, he talked with a medium and, and he was told that he was a trans medium as well. Now, when he moved to Athens County and built his farmstead and it was you know a big house and then his children had a house like he had older children who were old enough to live on their own with their wife and kids so there were several houses they were on the tallest point of Athens County and that hill is called Mount Nebo 
so that's an interesting name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's not be pretentious or anything, people. But one of the interesting things about Mount Nebo is they started seeing lights in the woods when they lived there before they started any spiritualist anything. They had seen lights in the woods sort of bobbing around and they thought maybe it was the ghosts of the Shawnee who had lived here because that was, I want to say, you know, the 1850s, the Shawnee had been run out in the 1820s and 30s. So they hadn't been gone that long. And it was heavily forested here at the time. Like when you when you farmed here, you you had to really clear the land at that point. So they had been, you know, digging in the dirt and clearing trees and they would see lights in the in the woods. And then one of their children died of I believe it was tuberculosis. It, it was one of the things that that people died of then because, of course, no medicine. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a daughter. And after that, after they buried her, they started seeing lights around where they had buried her. Then dad decides that he's a trance medium and he starts channeling spirits. The spirits tell him to build them a little house. So they they built what was called the Coon Spirit Room. And there was a table that, I mean, the the spirits were really bossy and they they told him that he had to build this table and there were musical instruments that had to go on the table and they would play music and people were coming from as far away as washington dc and new york and all over ohio west virginia and pennsylvania to come to the coon spirit room and see the spirits play music and there were lights in the room and there were sounds. The instruments would be picked up. They had tambourines. They had a, a horn. Um, one of the sons became a trance medium. This went on for about eight or nine years. And then it all pretty much died away. It just kind of petered out and stopped. They ended up not being able to take care of their farm very well because there were so many people coming for the spirit room. And since they didn't charge room and board for these people to stay overnight and stuff, they, they, they basically were losing money. Mm-hmm. So that kind of petered out. It, it kind of goes along with what John Keel talks about how the spirits will, you know, kind of screw people over. Mm-hmm. That's very much what it sounds like. And, you know, in reading the book, a, a local historian from, she's a history professor at OU just recently came out, I think last year or the year before, with a book about the Coon Spirit Room. It's called Sacred Ground. I kind of think that a large chunk of it had to do with they had the largest library outside of the university, this family did. But even so, it was only 30 books. So what are you going to do in the middle of the woods? And so it was this novelty thing when they started being able to, to speak with the spirits and, and then these people came visiting and it, it was a social thing, mm-hmm. you know? So again, even before all of that, they saw lights in the woods. So they've been seen. There were not any massacres that I know of. We do have Bigfoot sightings. 
there have been howls heard. There's been footprints seen. There's some sightings for Athens County on the Bigfoot Field Research website. Mm-hmm. So it, that's there. The Shawnee did live here. I think the Lenape, the Delaware Lenape were here. The Mingo, perhaps. This part of the the state was kind of like other parts of the Ohio Valley. That area and then down into West Virginia was kind of debated land. Yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot of the area around here was as well. It would kind of yeah. go back and forth between the different tribes. Yeah, the different Iroquois of the Algonquin-speaking people would fight with the other Algonquin-speaking mm-hmm. people. Yeah, cause there, because there was a point at which the the Cherokee even claimed all the way up to the Ohio river on the West Virginia side as their hunting grounds, even though they lived primarily in Tennessee and South, mm-hmm. you know, the farthest North they were was, was Tennessee. So this area, like parts, the part of Pennsylvania you're in was, was debated land. So there's all kinds of, we have mounds, there are mounds here. The wolf, what is it called? The wolf circle mounds are in the plains, which is a really funny name because it's all hills here. But <laughs> there's a, a little sort of flat area, and that's called the plains. And it's it's part of Athens now. It, it used to be a separate little town. But there was a wolf circle mounds were there. And in the 19th century... That's one of the places where it was said that giants were unearthed, a female and a male. And I thought that was that was crap, you know, because so many 19th century newspapers just made stuff up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yellow journalism being a thing. I was I was a journalist for a while and I remember taking journalism history and, you know, the the yellow journalism period is is a fun time for. Interesting things, but not so much for the truth, you know. So I always thought that that was crap because, of course, like so many of those skeletons, they disappeared, they were lost. But it turns out, I was looking at some research papers online, and it, it turns out some someone, I can send you the link to it if you want, found the field journal of one of the men who dug it up. And, you know, he describes how they measured them and the skeletons and how they packed them up and sent them to the Smithsonian. And since the field journal was at the Smithsonian, my guess is is this, the, the skeletons are too. <laughs> and they really were. The, the woman really was over six feet tall and the man really was seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. But they were buried with no grave goods, but they were buried mixed in with more normal-sized people. Which is interesting, and the more normal-sized people got all the grave goods. The Susquehannock Indians were near seven foot tall, I think, average height. Yes. Yes. There there were some big people around. So when you say some some of these skeletons, when they're saying they're like seven, even eight feet tall, I'm like, well, that seems within reason for these these Susquehannock people, which, you know, they they moved around a good bit. They did. They did. So that's that's not out of the realm of possibility for me. Now, when you get into the 10, 12-foot skeletons that some people claim... Yeah, I... I, I mm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I do know there's a... You know, these 
for whatever reason, these giant skeletons go missing like so much other uh, evidence for the paranormal. That it's really a thing. Disappearing oh, yeah. evidence is absolutely a thing. It um, sure is. So, you know, did the Smithsonian have them at some point and they don't anymore? It's it's quite possible, you know. I uh, like to think they're with the Ark of the Covenant in a <laughs> you know, in a crate somewhere in a warehouse full of stuff. <laughs> I, I know that's not actually the case, but it would be so cool if it was. <laughs> kind of answer my question with the mounds, because where I was yeah. going at when I was going to ask you is, are there stories or legends of people digging into the ground, treasure, oh. buried treasure, anything like that? I, I think that would count. These giant skeletons would count in my oh, book. Yeah. Giant skeletons do count as treasure. Mm -hmm. And of course, this was a coal mining area. Okay, um, so mines as well. Oh my goodness, yes. Mm -hmm. That that was the main industry here was uh, coal and lumber. When we moved back here, we we lived here from like 1993 to 1997, and then I went to culinary college up in Rhode Island for 18 months, and then we lived in. Maryland for a while and then we moved to another part of Ohio for a couple years and then we moved back to Athens in 2004 I'm pretty sure is when we moved back yeah 2004 2005 we bought our house and moved in and when we first came back we saw the lights a little bit in the hill up above our house um but then they stopped, and Athens didn't feel nearly as energetic as it had, and it wasn't until last Christmas that they started coming back, and now we can see them. Well, okay, I can. Morgana can. Um, if Kendra ever gets to visit after this quarantine, she'll probably be able to see them. But they're in the woods behind our house. We're right in town, too right outside the bedroom window. I basically watch from the window. I don't go outside by myself. I just, I don't feel the need to. Before we finish off, I do want to talk about your podcast real quick. What's it called? Okay, it's called Six Degrees of John Keel. Oh, and, cool. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny name. It, basically, it's because John Keel, in one of his books, I think it's Strange Cre Creatures from Time and Space, said that no matter where you live, within 200 miles of you, someone has seen a strange light in the sky or has run face-to-face -face into a hairy monster or a ghost or a UFO has landed on their lawn, you know? I think he's being conservative with that, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, sometime in the future, you know, that person may be your cousin, maybe your neighbor, and you just don't know it because people don't talk about it. But, you know, next year, maybe you'll run across something in a dark, deserted highway sure. and run into something. So that was, to me, that's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but right, right. <laughs> but weirder. And, and it's true. I, I started reading Reddit la you know, during the quarantine because I was bored because, you know, what else am I going to do? And so many people, 
I, I ran across so many people. There were there were people who saw things and took it for granted. There were people who clearly were like me and had seen things and just were like, yeah, that happens. But then there were the people who had never seen anything before in their lives. And one man, I think about him, he was the one who pretty much made me come up with, I should do a podcast. I had been told by other people, uh, uh, some friends from a paranormal group that, that we used to hang around around a guy's blog and talk with each other. And now we're all Facebook friends. And they had said, you should, you should have a podcast and tell your stories. And I said, yeah, that, that would be cool. But it didn't, I didn't feel drawn to it until I read this man's account and he works, he's an excavator. Oh, so that's, you know, he digs in the dirt with big (laughs) machines. There you go. And he was working in North Carolina and he was working near Mount Airy. And I'm like, Oh, you know, just as he started writing it, I was like, Oh, I didn't even get to the the sighting. And I was like, Oh, that's going to turn out badly. And uh, he saw, he, he turned his earth moving equipment around his backhoe. I think it was, and he was dumping the, the bucket. And on top of the pile of dirt, he saw a little man Hmm. dressed in Brown shiny black eyes the black eyes really scared him and his skin was brown and wrinkled and he had the these big shiny black eyes and he looked angry and he just stared at the man and the man just stared back in complete and utter shock and cut the engine on the thing and he said he blinked his eyes and it was gone. And he just, he said, I, I got out of the, the backhoe. And he said, my knees almost gave way. And like your um, Bigfoot witness who wet his pants. Yeah, yeah. This guy almost did. He's like, he, he, he all but did that. He said, I was terrified and I can't tell anybody. I've never seen anything like this. Oh, my God. You know, he was horrified, just horrified. And, of course, it's Reddit. So people were like, oh, you just saw a fairy. Oh, you just saw a gnome. Oh, you saw one of the the Memsiguasi, you know. One person knew that name. And that's probably what he saw, considering where he was. Unless all of these things are all the same thing and we have all the wrong names and it doesn't matter. Right. right. Uh, But he, you know, and they were like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be afraid. And and, but they 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 were very they weren't mean to him. They weren't rough with him. But it was just that it was clear it wasn't helping him. Mm -hmm. And so I private messaged him. I said, look, I said, I'm private messaging you because I just think you need to understand that you probably are only going to see him once. But he did glare at you, and the reason he probably glared at you is because you were doing your job, and in his mind, you probably messed up his home. You should probably make an offering there. And I said, you don't have to do it in front of the people who work with you. It was like, you don't have to tell them about it. But, you know, I would give him some tobacco, 
and some some water and maybe some milk and just say I'm sorry and I said and look you're probably not ever going to see anything like that again just because you see something once doesn't mean you're going to see it again but if you do the world's not going to end most of the time this stuff can be really scary but I've seen it since I was three years old I've seen weird stuff and I've had weird stuff happen to me and it hasn't killed me yet and so while I generally, I, I'm not telling you to run out and seek this stuff. I generally think that's a bad idea. But don't be terrified of it. Just let it go. And I said, the way that my husband deals with this stuff, I was like, he he's seen stuff a couple of times and experienced stuff. He's heard stuff more than he's seen it. But he just, he doesn't dwell on it. It just kind of goes in his brain, sort of in one ear and out the other. And so maybe you can just kind of try to let it go like that. I said, because I think that's what most people do with stuff like that. They don't grab onto it. They forget about it. And in fact, Morgana has said that if she doesn't write stuff down, sometimes she'll forget about it. Like she'll say, oh, I should tell mom this. And then she'll forget. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that absolutely happens yeah. for sure. And that's part of why I write stuff down. And in fact, before we talked, I actually looked into my old journals from those those you know the 90s and went oh yeah i remember that now hey hmm. <laughs> so that's why we decided to start it because all three of us kendra and morgana and i are what keel would have called experiencers we're the the worst kind of witnesses you know the kinds of witnesses that jl and Heineck would have hated because <laughs> not one not just one thing ever happens you know right in fact, he coined the term high strangeness for the case, the UFO cases he really didn't like because, of course, he was working for Project Blue Book. Mm -hmm. and, uh, they didn't want to hear about people who saw UFOs three or four times and had psychic things happen to them and then had poltergeist activity in their house afterwards. And Right, right. Well, that's... It, yeah. I, anymore, I think it's, it's possibly more common than not uh, to have I, people huh? experience more I than one thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you read Jacques Vallée's journals, he's got four volumes of them. They're called uh, Forbidden Science. He basically said to Hynek, you know, you can't throw out data like that. Mm -hmm. That's not right. <laughs> That's not how we do science. That's not. Um, and Hynek didn't like doing that. He didn't like cherry picking it, but he felt like since he was working for the the air force there were things so he just kind of kept two separate sets of files he kept his and then he kept what he gave to the air force mm -hmm. but you know keel had said from the beginning it's more often that these he said if you look at the witnesses of something you're going to find out well grandma has dreams that come true and oh yeah we had a poltergeist in our house after we saw the ufo and you know, there were lights in the woods, and then we saw Bigfoot, and, you know, on and on and on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Six Degrees of John Keel. Do you have a website? Yes. It's six as the numeral, and then degreesofjohnkeel.com. And we have a blog up. Um, I just wrote a review of your new book. Oh, nice. So that's up there. Thank you. Um. You might want to read that because I said nice things. <laughs> I will definitely check it out. <laughs> Thank you. 
because um, I really think that that book is as important to Bigfoot research as Passport to Magonia is for UFOs. Well, that's a high compliment, and thank you. I mean, that's you know that's what we were trying to do. We were trying to bring some of that into Bigfoot because it was sorely needed. Yes. It absolutely was. And and the whole thing with the, the poltergeist bit, I read that. I, I got on the phone. I called Morgana. I'm like, oh, my God, have you started reading this book yet? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, no. I said, go to chapter blah, 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 you know, whichever <laughs> one it is. I was right on the page, you know. I was like, look at that. Why didn't we think of that? And she was like, oh, my God. You know, and then we got a copy for Kendra. That's why I've ordered so many copies of it from you. Well, thank you so much for that. Cast- around to people and uh Kendra read it and she was like oh my god that's just awesome (laughs) well volume two is coming so we'll we'll, we'll get into more weirdness than that Barbara thank you so much for sharing your stories we will have you back I'm sure you you have more to share and uh, happy to hear you on our podcast if we could anytime you just let me know when all right all right thank you so much Thank you. Adopting a dog can be one of the best decisions in life, but sometimes attempting to raise a dog can leave you frustrated and overwhelmed and you need help. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can give you that help. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy has a relationship-based approach that helps you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They have online sources like video lessons, a secret Facebook group, and of course, one-on-one options are available as well. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you understand how your dog thinks and apply proactive training methods so you and your puppy can become perfect for each other. Whether it's mouthing and biting, potty training, fear and nervousness, barking, chewing on furniture, shoes, or other things your puppy shouldn't be chewing on, crate training, hyperactivity issues, leash training, and more. Whatever your puppy problems are, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you. Again, you can find them at sithappens.us and look for that 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. Not only did this card come through time, but it also came across the sea. It did. Is that the person's name, you think? Yeah, I think it's I think it's Aunt. Mm, okay. Aunt Hedwig? Yeah. It's a German cabinet card. So this would have been from the eighteen hundreds in Germany. A very elegant woman with a cape and some kind of bag or purse yeah it looks like a pretty fancy handbag lots of jewelry the cape is really the i think the The star of the show yeah it really is yeah it's really neat it's very very neat card i'm not going to try to pronounce any of those words on the back (laughs) so i'm just going to say it's from germany with a with a very uh round here name of ed schaefer as the photographer (laughs) that i could have (laughs) handled uh no it's really really neat cabinet card for a photo of the week very, very elegant lady in a cape. 
If you go to the show notes for this episode at strangefamiliars.com, you'll see an image of this photo. You can click on that. It'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can buy this and previous photos of the week. We have a few left from previous weeks. It's interesting to me, often they get snapped up right away because they mm-hmm. catch somebody's fancy and we talk about them. But sometimes they'll sit for a while and then sometimes months go by and mm-hmm. somebody will buy them. It's very, very interesting. Like I don't... I don't it's know if there's an really, algorithm to figure it there out. There isn't. Yeah. <laughs> if you, I mean, if you can figure out the algorithm for consumer sales, that's, <laughs> you probably don't need to do a podcast anymore. <laughs> and of course, as I always say at our Etsy shop, you can find copies of my books. You can find some of my music. You can find Strange Familiars t-shirts with the Awoken Tree logo, artwork. I would say it's all lovingly curated <laughs> as, as per Etsy Yes, we have to say curated every now and then, or we're not allowed to be on Etsy. All kinds of stuff, and of course, any of that helps support the show as well, any Etsy purchases. I've been putting up music videos on YouTube. I don't know if everybody is a subscriber of our YouTube channel, other than the episodes. I've been lately just throwing up a couple songs here and there. So if you like my music, you can go there and see some songs I've put up. I'm working up to maybe doing like a like an online concert like a mm-hmm. streaming concert or something i'd have to figure out the technology of that so mm-hmm. we'll see I've, the online streaming stuff i've done before everyone else has organized it all i had to do yeah. is show up yeah it's like running the soundboard while you're performing is a little more difficult yeah it would be good if you had someone who knew what they were doing that lived in your house that's a shame that i'm the only one here <laughs> in the meantime a little window into some other parts of your world yeah and you know just some extra content. I was going to play the songs anyway. I've put my phone up and record them. People have been very kind about that. So again, if you enjoy it, there's free content there as far as uh, some extra songs and so forth. Our friends at Karmic Garden now have a flannel man soap. <laughs> it's brilliant. They sent it to us and it came wrapped in like the buffalo plaid. Yeah, the paper was paper buffalo around plaid. It. Yeah. So I, I thought that was a little bit of brilliant marketing uh-huh. to have the Strange Familiar soap and the Flannel Man soap as well. Now, the Bigfoot smell, I would imagine, is not something you definitely want to replicate for... Uh, a couple of people have some, like, Bigfoot. They're, they're not trying to replicate like, the stench, you know. <laughs> they, they just have, you know, Bigfoot scents of, the, of their own making. You can find Karmic Garden at etsy.com slash shop slash Karmic Garden. Trusted remedies made from Mother Nature. They have soaps, scented sanitizers, natural cleaners, candles, beard balm, and more. Go ahead and check them out. You can also look up, I think, Karmic Garden, one word. I think their shop will come up on Etsy. Upcoming shows, we're going to have Brother Richard back on for a Christmas show. So get excited about that. I know I'm excited about that. He's one of my favorite guests of all time. So I think that is absolutely my favorite. I mean, there's so many... It's like picking. I know. It's yeah, like, it's it's like, like, and then I'll start to think, like, oh, no, but I really like this one. Oh, but I forgot I like this one. But just sort of as an all-encompassing kind of, it, if I had to choose, I think I like his. If someone asked me, like, you know, the top three shows to pick to represent Strange Familiars, his show was always in there like that. I always, always pick his show in there. So very, very excited to have Brother Richard back on. I think he's the perfect guest for a Christmas show. Mm-hmm. So the Christmas show this year will be with Brother Richard. We've taken some questions that we're going to answer and probably just have a, an extended talk based uh, around those questions and so forth. So look forward to that and uh, got some other things in the work as well. 
Always More Strange Familiars will be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. Go to StoneBreath.Bandcamp.com for more. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group, and we are on Instagram at strangefamiliars.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.